This is Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga, recorded at Halepule on beautiful Kauai. Each month we cover topics that can help you find balance in your life through food, good living, and the eight limbs of Raja Yoga. Learn more at halepule.com. And here's the show. Hello everyone, this is Myra. And Kelsey. With Halepule's Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga Podcast. Well, we have new bees at Durga Farms. We have one hive that is thriving, and soon we'll have another one. And we're in the final phases of editing our 300-hour Ayurveda Counselor course, which will be available September 2015. It's really great because it has so much practical information, as well as the foundations. We're also in the planning stages for our Ayurvedic chef training for next year. That's an exciting one. Mm-hmm. A number of people who are looking forward to that. And next year we'll offer an Ayurvedic treatment training for those interested in conducting the Ayurvedic treatments. And the students can practice on me. <laughs> and, you know, I recently arranged to have a weekly Snehan oil treatment for calming vata. And I haven't been doing anything like that for a little while. It has just been hit and miss. So far, it's really great, and it's really helpful at keeping things calm, uh, particularly in the vata stage of life that I'm in. We talked about that on our last podcast. In general, everything is feeling really great at Holly Pooley and Durga Farms. We have a committed team, and we're growing. The more we stay aligned, the easier it is to do what we do here. I recently spoke with a woman who used to live here on the farm, She shared that she was thinking about us and the farm and imagining the wonderful people we must be attracting here as we shift our own energy. It was really neat to be reminded to stop and observe what and who we have here, which is really great, enthusiastic people who want to live a conscious life. The practice of consciousness comes with many lessons. (laughs) We're all learning about the principles in Ayurveda and yoga, and particularly karma. Mm-hmm. which is merely the principle of cause and effect. You know, a lot of people get confused and they think it's about punishment. And it really has nothing to do with punishment in Ayurveda and yoga. What we put out comes back to us. It's really just cause and effect. And as Christ said, we reap what we sow. I'm learning more every day about how much life is really about energy. And keeping that as a primary focus is an important part of my life right now. There are so many great things to do in life, and it's easy to be caught up in the material stuff and forget about my energy and making it a priority. Yeah, and we are really energetic beings. You know, in yoga, I remember when it was said to me first, oh, yoga, oh, it's really just an energy management system. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what my teacher was talking about. We're about 90% cosmic energy and about 10% earth energy. And if we run too much cosmic energy, we feel flighty and scattered. And when we run too much earth energy, then we become heavy and stuck. The topic of our energy is great because the more tuned in to my own energy I am, the better everything in my day unfolds. And I can live life with ease no matter what happens in my life. I had a recent death in my family And I was able to run my energy and have a sense of my energy and hers in her transition. And it was a peaceful process for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in my experience, changes of any kind are smooth and gentle when I maintain my inner connection 
to my spirit. And I do that by consciously working with my energy. I also think it's important to remember that everything, even our physical health, is dependent on how our energy is flowing. Yep. As human beings, we're energetic. We're just beings in a body. And emotions are our energy when it's in motion. And they're meant to flow. I loved hearing that for the first time. It made so much sense. Yeah. And many people live contrary to this these days and hide their feelings, putting on that tough face and not showing things and trying to act like everything's perfect all the time. You know, if you think about a young child, they move quickly but naturally, and they'll move from one emotion to the next, from one feeling to the next, without self-judgment. And ideally, we'd all do that. And once we start judging ourselves and others, then energy gets stuck and we develop physical and mental problems. We have a fellow working on the farm here who is quite observant, and he's experiencing some constipation. He knows, however, that the big factor is the emotions he's having, and which are related to financial insecurity, so he's worried. Yeah, and any worry will certainly do that to us. Worry is really damaging for the mind, and it causes toxins to back up in the body and having a negative effect. I was definitely more accepting of emotions as a child, and I'm sure I worried a lot less than as well. As I grew up, I got caught up in my mind and whatever was going on around me, which wasn't so great. And I lost, I lost that acceptance of emotions and that free flow until recently when I began making an effort to enhance my connection to my energy. I've been much more aware of my energy and shifting it from moment to moment every day as I move about my daily activities, even the simple things that are part of my regular routine. And that has been so helpful in dealing with recent changes. My main focus in everything I do has been to keep coming back to running my energy and being in the present, because then I feel that all is well. There's nothing to fear, and everything happens so much more easily. That's a great point. One of the best results that comes from consciously running our energy is our connection to our knowingness that all is well, and that we're eternal beings. You know, uh, the pelvic floor practices that are on our website under the recommended materials, are, they're really helpful tools uh, to cultivate that energetic connection in the body. You know, they, they enhance our ability to be fully present and real in life because they connect us to our physical energy. My teacher had me practice 250 rounds to start because I had an overactive mind and I was really disconnected. And, you know, I grumbled about it for two years and didn't do it. And when I finally did, it really changed my life. For the first time ever, I could feel my feet on the ground and how that supported my upper body. And many people, myself included, find the more that we do to increase our awareness of energy, the more easily accessible is our energy and our intuition. And, you know... Exercises like the pelvic floor exercises, you don't have to do them forever because once that connection is there, then you're, you're using it in everything you do. I use it in all of the poses every day when I walk around in my natural posture now. And life is much smoother and easier, and regardless of what comes up. Ah, intuition. 
that evasive experience that many people really feel they don't have, nor can they attain. You know, and that's, we're all intuitive. It's just a matter of how many layers we've built up over it. The layers keep our intuitive nature suppressed. Aside from the pelvic floor exercises, what else can we do to remove those layers and access our intuition? Something I did and still like to do is to say out loud who's calling before I look at the phone. Anything you can do to strengthen the senses beyond sight, the one we use way too much, will support us, you know, going beyond the physical senses. You know, the English language has six words to describe the senses, and Sanskrit has 11. And we call the sixth one ESP, extrasensory perception. So it's to be able to sense and see the unseen. So to cultivate the intuition and the more subtle energies in life, we need to focus the mind in a relaxed manner and do it on a regular basis. We shouldn't do a large number of activities or exercises for it, but it really just needs to be something that we practice regularly. So making a point of, of mm, saying who's on the phone or walking through the house after dark without lights would cultivate intuition? Yes, that, that can definitely help. Or saying who has emailed or texted you before you actually look at it. Right. It, it's really simple. And it's really just about letting yourself come present to the energy that's around you right in the moment. We'll take a short break and be back in just a minute. These days, people mostly think of yoga as a form of exercise. The yoga asana, the physical postures we do in classes, are powerful ways to energize your body, but they are just one small component of the teachings. Yoga is a way of living that can bring peace, confidence, and the ability to connect to our true selves. Yoga is a guide to help us find our truth by living kindness, consideration, love, and respect. Join us at our teacher trainings to deepen your practice, share yoga and Ayurveda with your community, and enhance all aspects of your life. And send us your questions to hashtag AskKalePule. That's hashtag AskHAPule. L-E-P-U-L-E on Facebook and Twitter. We're back. We've been talking about energy and the fact that we are energetic beings in a body and are naturally intuitive. This relates to a question that came through on Facebook with the hashtag AskHalepule. How do the chakras affect us in our everyday life? So Myra, let's start with what the chakras are. Well, the chakras, and some people pronounce it chakra, the chakras are areas where lines of energy cross in the body. Some call it a vortex or a center. These chakras, where this energy flows, you might say it's like a pool almost, they're, they're continually changing and we're responding to our environment internally as well as externally. When they're opened up to the extreme, the energy becomes unstable. And when they're shut down too much, then energy doesn't flow naturally. Can you explain this related to each of the seven main chakras? Sure. So remember that it's a feeling thing. We can talk about it, but it really comes down to each of us learning to feel the energy in our body. 
there isn't a right and wrong in this. Uh, many people want to try to understand it intellectually. It's very, very simple, actually. But also that tends to put it in a box, and it's really about our direct experience. So what we'll call the first chakra, or the muladhara chakra, mula means root, is at the base of the spine, and it's related to our sense of security and our sense of belonging. So, for example, if you have to jump out of the way from getting hit by a bus, this first chakra, muladhara chakra, will open up. We react, and then the fear sets in after the event, actually. Yeah. And if the, if the chakra stays open, then we'll stay stimulated and, and fearful. If you're feeling disconnected from the body, or you have poor focus, and there's no discipline for anything, you're closed down, this is what happens when the first chakra is too closed. And when the first chakra is balanced, we have good health, we have a sense of security in general, we feel a part of the universe, and we have that general feeling that everything is okay. Mm. And the second chakra then is Swadhisthana. And Swadhisthana chakra is in the area of the low belly, low back, and the hips, and is related to our sensuality, sexuality, and our feelings. What are examples of this chakra being imbalanced? Swadhisthana might be too open when there's been uh, sexual or emotional abuse. And in that case, sometimes unconsciously, we use that energy to manipulate. Ah. So could someone with a second chakra that was too open be promiscuous or overly sensitive? I think of myself and how I used to cry at a snap of a finger, and that sounds like it could be second chakra related. Yeah, that would be a typical behavior. If that second chakra is too closed down, then someone might be rigid or fearful, um, have poor social skills, tend to stay in their head and out of their feelings. When Swadhisthana is balanced, we can have a feeling and not become it. And we can let their feelings, we can let our feelings come and go easily realizing that it's just part of being human. Mm. And then the third chakra is Manipura. And Manipura chakra is in the area of the diaphragm, or the breathing muscle, and the solar plexus. Yes, Manipura is about our sense of personal power and our manifesting in the physical world. It is related to transformation of all types. When it's imbalanced, we either don't manifest job, family, friends, or maybe in excess, we get aggressive or pushy or controlling, and we want to be right all the time. If you're familiar with Ayurveda, you can see how this might relate to the qualities of the doshas, and in this case, it would be related to pitta dosha. And I'm actually relating to a little bit of all of these symptoms of too open and too close. They fluctuate. They do. Okay. They do. It's changing depending on the situation and depending on what uh, impression that we carry around in life. In other words, our memories uh -huh. we're re reacting to. Okay. What about when balanced? When 
things are balanced with Manipura Chakra, then we're, we're able to really easily manifest on the physical plane. Again, things like job, friends, place to live, it all comes easily. And this is the chakra where you want to connect your bank account rather than in Muladhara Chakra, the first chakra. You know, our sense of security related to the first chakra should come from our connection to the source of the universe or the God of our heart and not our bank account. I love the practice you do about correcting that connection. Can we do that now? Yeah. Yep. Let's do that. So you can do this with your eyes closed or open, but it's probably not a good thing to do while you're operating a vehicle. So just for a moment now, go inside and imagine that connection to the bank account as a cord. And if you're feeling like you're really hooked into your bank account and worry whether it's bigger or smaller, there's a cord in Muladhara Chakra at the base of the spine. So just imagine this. You don't even have to visualize it. Just imagine. So take hold of that cord where it comes into your energy field, into your body, and turn it one quarter turn to the left, counterclockwise, and then gently remove it. And then reconnect it at the Manipura Chakra in the navel area or just above the navel. Hmm. It's so wonderful to have that realization that my security comes from my connection to the God of my heart and not my bank account. (laughs) The more you run your energy, the more you can stay in that place and not have to go back into the fear. Right. On the topic of the third chakra, I remember we recently had a question about a teenager who had difficulty breathing when she was being active. And the woman asking the question referred to it as asthma. So I can imagine that the diaphragm, or breathing muscle, is tight, and that Manipura, that third chakra in that area, uh, is shut down. And that would be correct if there is asthma or any difficulty breathing, right? Uh, Right. And remember, she also noted that the young woman, who was 16, was hunched over in her posture. And that definitely represents blockage in, in the chakras and in the flow of energy. You know, our posture is so important in terms of allowing our energy to flow so that the organs uh, work properly and the tissues of the body are fed properly. You know, the, the subtle unseen energy is just as important as anything you see physically, if not more so. In Ayurveda, we see these symptoms that tell us which doshas are causing the blockage and then the resulting disorder. Anahata is the fourth chakra in the area of the chest and the upper back. When it's imbalanced, we might tend to be antisocial and cold and withdrawn, maybe uh, having a sense of isolation, feeling depressed and fearful in relationships, or we might tend to be narcissistic. When that chakra is um, too too open, we will have poor boundaries, we might tend to cling to others and tend toward jealousy or being demanding of others. And then when it's balanced, we can be kind and compassionate and loving and caring, you know, something we'd really all like to do. 
So hunched posture would also shut this chakra down, correct? Right. That's right. And it, you know, it, it's it's an interesting thing because you say, well, would the hunched posture shut the chakra down? Perhaps not. We we shut the chakra down, and then you get the hunched posture. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> the uh, fifth chakra, Vishuddha chakra, is in the area of the throat. It's said to be at the base of the throat, right in the center. But it's also related to the lower part of the face and the head. And this is about our communication, verbal and telepathic communication. And notice that that area that I mentioned now is where all of the sense organs are located. Many people don't believe they have access to telepathy. Ah, but it's really just like our intuition. We all have it. Unless, of course, we believe that we don't, in which case Mm -hmm. it will be very difficult to access. So it's a matter of clearing out those beliefs that we've taken on. When the fifth chakra, or Vishuddhi, is shut down, I often see people unable to express themselves. Uh, They'll have difficulty speaking and even problems with the glands around the throat, like the thyroid. And sometimes I still feel myself get nervous and it actually feels like someone's standing on my throat. Yep, this is often accompanied by a forward head position as well. And I did used to have that too. (laughs) And and someone might also have a weak voice and difficulty putting feelings into words, um, being tone deaf, or having poor rhythm are also associated with that. So to open then could look like someone who uh, talks too much or talks without discrimination? Right, too much talking, using talking as a defense, poor listening, gossip, talking too fast, (laughs) and interrupting others when they're speaking. So balanced Vishuddha results in a good listener. We have clear communication. We're able to be creative and have a good sense of timing and rhythm for things. Then there's the sixth chakra, Ajna chakra. This is in the area from just below the eyebrows to the top of the forehead. And it's really about our clairvoyance and our clear seeing. I love the practice you have us do with the curtain. Me too. Let's do it right now. So bring your attention into the center of your head. And you find the center of your head by drawing a line between the eyebrows straight back. Tops of the ears straight across, and where those two lines cross. And just put your attention there. And just imagine opening a curtain from Ajna Chakra. So that forehead area, start in the middle in the front, and just go clockwise all the way around. So this this will allow your energy to move and it'll help you to access your clairvoyance. So what are the signs of a closed sixth chakra? If it's closed down, it'll be deficient, and we might have poor memory, definitely lack of imagination, insensitivity, and maybe a tendency to go into denial. And when it's too open, then we have delusions and obsessions and difficulty concentrating and some people might have bad dreams or hallucinations and then when it's balanced we're intuitive 
we're imaginative, we have good memory, and we're able to create through through visualizing things. Mm. And then we get to the seventh chakra, which is Sahasrara, from the top of the forehead to the top of the head. Right, and this seventh chakra, the crown chakra it's called sometimes, is about our knowingness. And what do you mean by that? Well, knowingness is all of the information that you have, that no one taught you, that you came into this lifetime with. When this chakra is deficient or closed down, there might be some difficulty in learning. Um, There's definitely a tendency toward rigid beliefs and and atheistic attitude. Um, We also get stuck in materialism and greed and perhaps having power over others. And then when it's excess, we tend to intellectualize things. We stay away from our feelings when we get confused easily, and then we dissociate from the body. So when it's balanced, we can perceive and process information easily. We're able to be thoughtful and aware and open-minded, and we can get spiritually connected. All sounds pretty good, huh? Mm-hmm. So... I think of the crown chakra or sahasra as the motherboard of a computer. You know, ideally, each day, we could set our energy to draw on this information first. And you can do that. Just imagine drawing a white line of energy from the center of your head up into the crown. So clearly having energy balance in the chakras is important. You mentioned posture. And that is the key point that we work with our clients and students with. And it's actually a whole section in our online yoga course, A State of Yoga, Yoga Foundations. Now, our bodies were designed to allow energy to flow. That's how we feel best. That's how we're most effective in our lives. We only slouch when we feel bad about ourselves or we have some impression or some scara that's holding us back in life. And that is something we want to let go of and give up. And then life will change. So how else can we enhance our flow of energy, or at least make sure that energy is flowing? Well, any meditations that work with your energy specifically are great. And we'll talk more about that near the end of this podcast. Just taking a moment to be aware and saying hello to each of the chakras will shift your energy. And, you know, it, it might take some focus and intention to do that. That's not quite as easy as it sounds if things are stirred up. Posture, which we mentioned, is also important, along with proper breathing throughout the day. And, of course, what and how we eat also makes a difference. I wanted to mention that Ayurvedic anatomy includes something called srotamsi, which are the energy channels related to the body and mind. The chakras are on a more subtle level, but we're holistic beings, and it's all related and interrelated. It's all about the energy, unseen, but we see, feel, and experience the results of it. Mm -hmm. We're very busy in our activities here. We have lots of projects and planning related to sharing the traditions of Ayurveda and yoga with the world. And people often wonder how we do it, especially when we have a number of events that are fairly close together. 
I know the more I run energy and choose to sit and stand tall when I may want to slump, the more energy I have available to me. Now, consciously running my energy daily makes a huge difference in my ability to function in the way I'd like to, to be able to have consistency. What and how I eat also makes a difference, and particularly approaching it on that devotional and spiritual level. The more I keep that attitude in the forefront, then everything works together and there's so much available to us. We can run intensive programs and remain energized and clear throughout them. Feeling exhausted, then, is a symptom of not running one's energy. Yes, assuming you really haven't done too much and you've been getting appropriate sleep. Yes. So when the energy stagnates, there's a blockage that can occur. And then you'll have symptoms as a result of that. So physical pain is a sign of an energetic blockage. And when we talk to our yoga teacher trainees about the importance of working the energy in the asana practice to move that stuck energy, it opens up a whole new world for them. Yeah, every physical experience has a related energetic component. You have to shift energy in order to have a different experience. You know, I've thought of an example of myself. You know, one time, <laughs> for actually one time, for a couple of years, I had sizable knots on my thumb joints, and they were affecting the function of my thumbs, and they were painful. Sounds like it would be. Yeah, and I, you know, I wasn't really able to utilize my thumbs in the way they were designed. And I'd had them for a couple of years before I finally made a decision to be done with them. And this was in my very early days of Ayurveda, so the doshas were still not well balanced. Anyway, I made the decision to be finished with the knots, you know, and I really, I didn't plan it out or anything. I just said one day, I want to be done with this. So I, I kept oiling them and gradually bringing the doshas back into balance. But they actually went away in a few weeks' time. The shift of my energy, my consciousness, in that I let go of the problem and I allowed the matter, which the physical matter, my body, to make the shift and follow my consciousness. The body really wants to come into balance naturally. And all we have to do is get out of the way. Now, I've known many people to take all of the steps and do all kinds of things on the outside and not make that shift inside. And then the outside treatments don't work that well. It doesn't matter what kind of treatment it is. You know, for example, people who believe that they have weak immunity will get sick often. And those who believe they have a strong immunity don't get sick very often. Hmm. I've noticed that. And I've also noticed recently that worry exhausts me, which I know now is just my energy being drained. That's why I often suggest get out of your head <laughs> when I see that you're caught up in it. You know, worry is one of the main causes of a decrease in energy and it's more damaging to the flow of energy in the body than almost anything else. When I think about it, I lived my first 30 years worrying and I'm in the process now of retraining myself so that my mind can be free of that and also eliminate excess vata dosha. So right now I notice what is going on in my head and I'm learning to be honest about that and accepting of that.
and letting it go. And a practice you shared with me once is one that I use often. I imagine my hands out in front of me, put all the worries or thoughts that I don't want into my hands, and then I open them up and let those worries and thoughts release out of me. So I actually physically do that, and it helps. Yeah, that works really well. I used that practice for many years, and occasionally I still do. You know, daily practice of pranayama meditation and asana also increases our ability to practice faith in the process of life so that we can worry less. General vata calming activities help as well, like abhyanga, all of which can be found in our two online courses, A State of Health, Getting Started with Ayurveda, and A State of Yoga, Yoga Foundations. And using mantra to redirect the mind is also very helpful for releasing worry. Anything that takes you out of the pattern of thinking. And mantra will also harmonize your energy flow. Now we've both been working on the computer a fair amount recently, and I know too much computer time leaves me feeling depleted, so there's EMF protectors for countering that, and I do get up and move around or to get water every hour. Um, that's a pretty obvious one. What else drains our energy? Well, things that drain our energy are negative talking, gossip, tamasic food that is food that is tamasic food, food that is dead and old, leftovers, tamasic music. Tamasic is a low vibration, so things that have negativity in them. Excess stimulation and stimulants like caffeine and refined sugar also drain our energy. Hmm. And then any negative thinking would likely do that as well. Any negative thinking will do that. Well, we had a guest this year who recently contacted us again about what to do to keep her energy from being drained when she goes out in public. And that's actually a common experience that I hear from people, that they go out in certain environments or around certain people, and then they end up feeling drained. So I actually relate to that in my past as well, especially when I would go to a funeral or work, actually. But it's not really about the person or environment, right? Because if we each take responsibility to maintain our own energy, then there would not be any effect from the outside. Well, in a perfect world. But we're human, and we're all growing and learning. So the tools that we teach in our intuitive energy practice assist us to learn to hold our own space. From an Ayurvedic perspective, we need to learn to manage pranavayu, one of the subdoshas of vata dosha. Another way of saying the same thing is that we need to set up an appropriate doorway into our energy and manage the opening and closing properly. In our health consultations or our yoga consultations, we recommend mudras, which are hand gestures to use in meditation and sometimes if you were just sitting and resting. And they help to balance the doshas and more specifically, they help to balance the flow of energy in the body. I love learning about the mudras and working with them daily and the intuitive meditation practice have been so helpful to me since moving to Kauai. I have had significant challenges in times of transition and change. We have so many people coming and going from Halepuli and Durga Farms. And I've also had notable challenges in my relating with my family, especially my parents. But these tools have been so important in my ability to be myself 
and learn to be an acceptance of others and all of life. Now I'm so much more at ease in my relationships and with transitions, which we have a number of here. I feel like a new person. I mean, the tools, they really just, they make my work here and my personal relating so much more enjoyable. I often say I have this great life and I finally am learning how to enjoy it, <laughs> letting myself enjoy it. Yeah, right. These tools taught me how to step into my life and to stop being a victim. And that's, that's what they gave me when I first learned them. And oh my, and you know, then, then it was just a process of unraveling, you know, Stepping out of those old patterns was something that took time. It didn't happen overnight. But I felt validated by the tools that I wasn't crazy, and I didn't have to be overly sensitive or completely insensitive to function in life because I would go from one to the other. And they really have helped me feel more myself than ever before. So let's do a little practice right now. Find a good, safe, still place for yourself. You can be sitting or lying down, but have your spine in alignment, not rounded. Bring your attention into the center of the head and close your eyes. With your attention at the center of the head, just imagine a grounding cord, an energetic cord that goes from the base of your spine to the center of the planet. Hook it into the center of the planet and just imagine a switch like a light switch and turn it on release. This is you grounding and releasing. You can let go of anything that's not you or just anything you're ready to let go of and let it go to the center of the planet and get recycled back where it came from. From near the center of the planet, bring earth energy up through the bottoms of your feet, through your knees, through your hips, and down your grounding cord, creating a connection with the earth. And then reach way out into the cosmos and bring bright, sparkling cosmic energy in through the top of the head, down the back side of the spine to the base of the spine. Pick up about 10% earth energy and bring this mixture of cosmic and earth energy back up the front side going through each of those seven main chakras and let it pour out through the top of your head like a fountain and that fountain fills your aura your aura is the energetic bubble around your physical body so this is you running your energy Let's take some of that cosmic and earth energy that's coming up the front side from the center of your chest, the throat center, center of the head, and the crown, and run it into the shoulders, down through the arms, and out through the palms of your hands. And if you've never felt that, turn your palms up, and you'll feel that energy coming through the palms. These are your creative channels. So now that we're running our energy and we've let go of a few things, we're going to replenish ourselves with a gold sun. So just imagine over your head a big gold sun. And in that gold sun, we'll put the energy of enthusiasm, creativity, 
clarity, peace, self-love, and love of the divine. And anything else you'd like to fuel yourself with. Pop a hole in that gold sun and allow bright gold, high vibration energy to pour in through the top of the head, filling up all the cells of your physical body, all the way through the tips of the fingers and toes, filling your grounding cord, and then filling up your aura. And set that aura, that energetic bubble around your body, evenly on all sides, above the head, below the feet, front and back, side to side. That was really nice. Great. I love not only sitting and taking the time to do that, but also that I can do that within seconds in my day. That's right. You can just take a pause and take a few seconds to do that and reset yourself any time of day. You know, there's that saying, you can start your day over anytime. One of my favorites. <laughs> uh, we do have a free practice online at hollypoly.com. Uh, and additional practices that go beyond the basic tools into specific topics such as allowing abundance, accessing personal power, balancing the reproductive system, and freedom that comes from forgiveness. And that free practice is about 20 minutes long and it runs through the chakras. It's most important to learn to use these tools in everyday life when you're out and about. They're great in meditation. And, but then taking them out into life just gives us so much more power to manage our own energy, to keep our energy flowing, and it gives us greater access to our clarity, improves relating, and our physical health. And when you hit a bump, as we all do, then you'll have tools to help you move through, through things quickly and gracefully. And that has been one of the greatest things for me, to be able to handle the difficulties with ease and grace. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us. And if you'd like to work with us to determine the best approach to bring balance, we offer consultations in person and by phone, Skype, or FaceTime. Aloha till next time. Thanks so much for listening to Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga. Don't forget, if you have a question or a topic you'd like us to cover, just submit your question on Facebook or Twitter with the hashtag AskHaliPule. That's H-A-L-E-P-U-L-E. And if you want to go deeper on your own path toward health, book a consultation at HaliPule.com. In Ayurveda, we understand that we each have a unique constitution. Halipule's tridoshic approach is ideal for families and supports multiple constitutions. You can cultivate sattva in cooking, knowing that you're making meals that support everyone's constitution. Subtle adjustments may be required, but it doesn't need to be a stress point. To learn our tridoshic approach to create nourishing meals, Join Simple Ayurvedic Cooking with Halepule. Their recipes are easy, delicious, 
and it'll leave you feeling energized. And the link to join is in our show notes.